to this episode of the Ask Me podcast. I'm Dan Smith, Sustainability and Construction Manager for Mitsubishi Electric. Today's episode is shaping up to be a very good one. We're in our London office at the Sustainable Workspace in County Hall, overlooking Big Ben and the House of Parliament. We are joined by none other than Holly from the Supply Chain Sustainability School and our good friend, Head of Sustainability, Martin Farhi. Holly, welcome to the Ask Me podcast. How are you? I'm very well, Dan. Thank you very much for having me. Welcome, Martin. Welcome once again. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I couldn't have done too much wrong last time. I actually wouldn't have had me here, but uh, no, it's great to be here and uh, looking forward to the conversation. Excellent. So we're here today joined by Holly from the Supply Chain Sustainability School. Let's start by uh, introducing what is the Supply Chain Sustainability School? So the Supply Chain Sustainability School is a platform for collaboration for people working all across the built environment sector and it enables them to upskill not only their own colleagues but all their supply chains to be able mm -hmm. to deliver a more sustainable future. Excellent. Martin, from Mitsubishi Electric's perspective, why did we get involved with the school? When did we get involved in the school? What was the need? Mm -hmm. Give us a bit of a flavour from, from our perspective as a manufacturer. Yeah, of course. Um, our, our first interactions uh, with the school were six, seven years ago uh, as the initial discussions. Um, and I have to admit at the, at the time, and really the delay is more on our part than the school's, that's, that's for sure. But at the time we were having um, uh, a bit of um, internal angst as to whether or not a manufacturer like us mm -hmm. making what we make uh, we're not a materials manufacturer, uh, you know, we're a finished mechanical electrical products manufacturer, of course, mm -hmm. as to whether or not the school was actually the right place for us to be. Um, wind forward all these years to where we are today, um, it very much is, is the, is the short answer. I would say, Holly, that the school has matured a lot in that time. and. I think the wider uh, we can cast that net and collaborate um, with uh, each other to deliver more sustainable outcomes, the better. And I think you were really onto something all those years ago with you know bringing together those key players uh, and and creating a forum and a and, and a place where um, collaboration is key. Um, uh, so that we can um, achieve these uh, outcomes that we all know we've, we've got to do. We've got to buckle down and make this happen. Yeah, thanks, Martin. And I think it's, it's interesting that you say it was six or seven years ago. So kind of to take back and to give some context. Mm -hmm. um, the Supply Chain Sustainability School was founded in 2012 by Action Sustainability, they're the, they're the delivery partner, and seven founding organisations. And they are, they recognised that they all had shared and very complex and very large supply chains and that they had the power as these founding partners to collaborate and innovate and ensure that they could upskill all the way back down those supply chains. It's great that Mitsubishi Electric have now partnered with the Supply Chain Sustainability School after, I'm looking at you Martin with a smile on my face, after a lot of work um, and man hours put into reaching bronze, silver and gold membership that I'm sure Holly will touch on 
uh, shortly. But we've mentioned we've mentioned this word collaboration, and it's key at the moment in the built environment that everybody's collaborating in order to reach this end goal, which is net zero by twenty fifty. You only have to look at construction journals, and everybody is referencing everybody else. So Letty's referencing UK Green Building Council and Reba and Sibzi, et cetera, et cetera, and so on and so forth. So Holly, from, from the school's perspective, with regards to these 192 partners and the amazing amount of members that you have as well, how is a school facilitating collaboration on its platform, in-person training events? So what, what are you guys actually doing? Partners such as yourselves sit on collaboration groups. So we have 18 groups at the moment. I know yourselves, which I'm sure we'll speak about in a bit, are very active in retrofit. Mm -hmm. But those groups span all the different areas of content, of areas that we cover as a school. So construction have a group. Then we have um, infrastructure have a group. Then there's kind of more specific topic groups and market groups looking at waste, retrofit, lean, digital. And all those partners come together, the leaders in industry, and they mm -hmm. sit and they talk and they say, what is coming? What do we need to know? How mm -hmm. can we be more sustainable in this area? And they make decisions. And so you're saying, how do we facilitate mm -hmm. that collaboration? We host those groups, we enable those groups. But then the outcomes of those groups, they're not just talking shots. There's loads of those. We don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. We take the information away from that and our team turns that information into training mm -hmm. that then is pushed back through the organizations that said, this is what we need to know to be more sustainable. This is what our supply chains need to know to be more sustainable. We turn that into lots of, as you say, events, training, e-learning, all different formats, and we push it back, and those partners put it all the way back through their supply chain. Excellent. So it's training that's actually led by mm -hmm. the people that will then contract those people, and I know yeah. that Mitsubishi are doing some really interesting work on that. So it's not you guys aren't dictating to the built environment, you're facilitating uh, the key members within the construction industry to come forward with what they think should be the future of the sustainable landscape or the built environment and you guys are having sat on them workshops you're allowing this collaboration space and actually embedding the key sort of industry people and companies to facilitate this uh learning platform yeah i think it's a really good point you made that we're not dictating it the school is the partners mm -hmm. those partners drive everything we do they make decisions they come together they review our business plans those groups tell us what they need for their organisations and their supply chains to be more sustainable. Obviously, we have the experts on our side who work in those areas, who deliver the training, mm -hmm. who can assist and give information, do research into areas that are coming up mm -hmm. and convert that into, we need to know about this, right? Well, we'll help you know about that. But it is driven by those partners. That's, yeah, that's what I said, I think, in, in my opening, which is you were really onto something all those years ago, really, because, you know, we are, we are all on this journey. I mean, all those years ago, the phrase net zero wasn't being mm -hmm. kicked around um, uh, such as it is now. So that, now we all know, we all know the destination, but we're all on different start points for that journey and, and the paths, you know, the, the routes we take to get to that, that end result. One can only happen, um, obviously, completely in collaboration, else we just, we can't do it on our own, you know. Mm -hmm. We would argue we've got a, a, a lot of solutions to offer, but we haven't got them all. I mean, that would, it would be nonsense. You wouldn't hear me and Dan say, we've got everything that you could possibly need to, uh, to make a difference. We feel we've got a lot of them, but we haven't got all of them. And that was what I think the, the, the founding ethos of the school was, which was, 
how are we going to bring all these disparate people together upstream downstream in these supply chains to deliver the sustainable outcomes that that we need to do and uh, as i say i think you were out in front with that one and uh, took us a, a a while but we're here now and, and in and active and that's why we wanted to talk to you today i think it's oh sorry i was sorry. just going to say really kind of interesting i'll pick up on the points you made around mentioning net zero and, and the solutions that Mitsubishi mm. provide in that area. But what I think is really interesting and even more important for this collaboration piece, that sustainability, as you say, it's growing and people know more about it, but it's so broad. What mm. do we mean by that? We mean economic sustainability, environmental, which is when we'll talk about carbon and that, mm-hmm. but also social. Mm-hmm. So there's elements yeah. and, and partners and businesses <coughs> we use, they might be way ahead in terms of their social aspects of sustainability, where are they on modern slavery? Where are they on looking at um, kind of the fairness, inclusion and respect programs Mm. that they have in place? What are we doing about diversity within industry? Mm. That all comes into it and is covered within. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. It's a a very broad uh, agenda. And again, the school has has recognised that. Um, Fairness, inclusion, and respect for as you talk about, there's a, a huge body of work in the school in that regard. And um, diversity, I know you've done a lot on uh, diversity as well, and different uh, skills and, and what's going to be required in the industry to reach the goals that we want to get to. Yeah, and I would, um, you know, if you are interested in looking at that, we had a diversity survey published this year, the biggest ever undertaken across the built environment sector. Over 300,000 people were um, are in that survey, and it shows us how does the built environment sector compare to an ONS data mm-hmm. in terms of all protected characteristics. So things like that, it's... We need, to talk to, we need to talk about sustainability, we need to work together, but we need to use our shared expertise because we're mm-hmm. not all experts in everything. No, of course. Um, and that's why there's such a plethora of kind of areas of study within the school and the different um, collaborative leadership groups that we've spoke about, mm-hmm. Mitsubishi being involved in many of those as well. So, Holly, we've said that Mitsubishi Electric are one of the main partners, but who else is involved? What sort of companies are involved? What sort of job titles are attending your workshops, your lunch and learns, and are creating this online learning platform? So, as I said, kind of, we have a huge amount of founding partners and they range from the biggest contractors in industry mm-hmm. um, then we have down to their clients and suppliers we have government agencies um, kind of infrastructure partners and it really does filter down in terms of our partners we represent most of the major contractors in the UK many manufacturers their clients and suppliers Thinking back, we've got such a broad representation, but thinking around our founding partners, they were Lend-Lease, Aggregate Industries, Kia, Sir Robert McAlpine, uh, Morgan Sindel and Skanska. Mm-hmm. Then we look at people who sit on our board, such as Balfour Beatty and others. Mm-hmm. They are really kind of those who are driving industry. Mm-hmm. We look at, for example, we talk around the retrofit group, for example, mm-hmm. where Mitsubishi is very um, prominent. Um, but it depends on the sector we're talking about. So if we look at the homes group, nearly every major home builder in the UK is represented in that group. Yeah. And the level of people that are sitting on these groups is extremely high. Mm-hmm. We're talking around directors of sustainability and operations. Mm-hmm. Um, extreme kind of people who have influence. Sure. 
And then you talked about who are the people sitting on the training workshops? Mm. Who are the people sitting in our events? Well, that is, we hope, a mixture of everyone. Yeah. So our partners could choose to use their training workshops for their internal teams mm -hmm. and upskill the people that work within them mm -hmm. in all those areas we've already talked about. But they could also choose, right, well, I'm going to use these workshops to upskill my supply chain. Interesting. I want my supply chain to learn about this type of waste or this type of modern slavery legislation or this type of um, scope one, two and three reporting. Mm -hmm. And I need that to happen for us to move forward. I'll give you an example of the mm -hmm. Construction Leadership Group, for example. Sure. Construction Leadership Group, Homes Leadership Group, a lot of shared supply chains. Yeah. And they were coming together saying that they all had a lot of crossover in their groundwork supply chains in mm -hmm. particular. So what they did was they created a learning pathway on the school, specifically with resources that they would like anyone who's working in their groundworks to do. Mm -hmm. And then they sent that out. So that means right. that everyone could use the same kind of language, the same training. Yeah. Anybody who's working on these things has been upskilled in these areas of sustainability specific for groundwork. So there's almost like an industry standard, let's say, that you could roll out to those groundworks. It's, it's really interesting. And I know, Martin, uh, from a Mitsubishi Electric perspective, we often have to complete set learning pathways. Yeah. So what we mean by learning pathway from the school's perspective is uh, let's say a company puts together some learning modules around um, embodied carbon, for example. They then put that out to their supply chain and you're expected to complete that so that they understand that their supply chain has a good understanding of embodied carbon. Is that a fair sort of synopsis of, of a learning pathway, Holly? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that kind of leads back to that bigger vision that I know we've talked sure. about. Kind of the whole point is to have a more sustainable built environment. Yeah. Well, it's fantastic that this massive big contractor with all this will and you know capacity can say we want to be sustainable mm -hmm. but if the people working on that project um, and all their supply chains mm -hmm. are not sustainable mm -hmm. then how can we deliver that sure. sustainable built environment yeah. and that is the yeah. purpose you so choose it for yourselves you and yeah we're, we're uh, like many people listening to this i'm sure are receiving lots of very detailed questionnaires through from uh, lots of uh, varying levels in in supply chain, uh, and we're doing the same. You know, we've got a big upstream and downstream impact, uh, uh, and we need to gather that data. And I, we we've seen the maturity in the school, whereby the the school seems to be, you know, one of the key delivery uh, mechanisms for the knowledge that's needed, uh, but also why are we asking this question of you? You know, you might be a specialist contractor doing one specific thing. You know, you might not think that you're big enough to make much of a difference, but you're in that supply chain and you very much can make a difference. Mm -hmm. and, and if the bigger companies, and I would cite ourselves in this regard, if we're not getting the useful data through from people, and you, you, then we can't do anything about it in short. But you used a, a, an interesting comment, a, a, um, phrase earlier, which uh, I wanted to pick up on, which is a common language. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I think we all understand what net zero means. We all understand what carbon neutral means. I think, at least I think we do. I think we all understand that, you know, CO2 equivalent as the common currency for measuring these things. But it, 
as you've already highlighted, there's this huge sprawling diversity of specialist contractors, and of course they know their industry well, that's why you're employing them. And um, I, I think it's vitally important that we have a common language mm -hmm. um, to work yeah, so that when I say, you know, carbon, somebody knows what that means. When we say embodied carbon, somebody says, yeah, mm -hmm. I understand what that means, whether they got that knowledge from the school or not. But in our experience at the moment, they would be probably likely getting it from the school because you're, you're leading that path. Yeah. And as you said earlier, you know, a, a group has probably highlighted that embodied carbon is a key issue for us at the minute. So let, how do we craft something around that so that we get that? common language and that data back from our yeah. supply chains. And it's not only where the school can kind of create the common language mm. in the version of enabling understanding and mm. upskilling, but it also gives a platform to those people who yeah. are, you know, the contractors and the big project, they can share their common language. Yeah. So if you look at all of our events, there are ones that we do and the training we deliver, but there's ones that our partners deliver. We work a lot with HS2 and National Highways on that very large projects where they can you know, broadcast an entire mm -hmm. supply chain around the expectations and the learning that they have and enforce that yeah. common language and common goal of sustainability. Because, I mean, we're as guilty as this as anybody else. We have our own um, terms and, you know, those dreaded three-letter acronyms that we all use <laughs> uh, in our industry. And, you know, you've mentioned grown works. That's not, a, we're not really involved mm -hmm. in that. They'll have their own set of these things as well. And, and you know... You're sort of demystifying that and bringing that, you know, bringing it into the light, really, which is let's discuss this and, uh, you know, how are we going to tackle it? Yeah. I think it comes around to the collaboration piece again, uh, common language, and I think it's actually key that the partners that you have uh, within the school are driving this change is the most important thing. It's not an external body from the outside of the built environment yeah. who's not necessarily feet or boots on the ground um, that is, is asking for this change. But I, I just want to delve a little bit deeper into the learning pathways as to how we're being almost dictated to in terms of uh, a learning pathway and also how we're using learning pathways internally at Mitsubishi Electric. Um, so I know that we've got commercial partners, Martin, who are, who are sending us learning pathways to complete. Yep. Um, and then what's your opinion or what are we doing as a business to use learning pathways to upskill yeah. our internal employees? Well, definitely. Well, there's two groups. I'd, I'd mm. talk about our internal colleagues, our own colleagues, but also around our own supply chains and our own partner mm -hmm. levels that we've had for many years in, in our business. So. Um, We've created some of our own training that we've uh, we've done um, internally. That's gone down really well with our, um, our colleagues. It's stimulated a debate and lots of questions that are coming back. And we were thinking, well, where, where do we take that next? Because that's highlighted a group um, within our colleagues who are, you know, want to uh, you know want to know more about this and want to be active and help more about this. And. You know, along comes Holly and the school and with us engaging in that regard. And actually, do we really need to reinvent the wheel? There'll be those specifics for us with what we're doing and the products that we're manufacturing. Um, but, you know, how can we uh, use the resources that have already been created yeah. and that common language that I already mentioned? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, 
deploy that through our own colleagues, mm -hmm. but also then in our downstream uh, supply chains. So mm -hmm. we're, we're looking at developing uh, the knowledge, use our footprint and hopefully the bit of influence that we have with the contractors that are, are, are most commonly handling our products. And how can we help them on this journey as well? Sure. Some of them are not as big as us, some are very big companies, some are very small companies, but there's an appetite amongst all of them for, for this knowledge. And I think what we'll find ourselves doing now, now that we're partnering very much with you, Holly, and the wider team is looking to use your content wherever possible yeah. because it's it's world-class content you know why why do we need to reinvent the wheel we'll only be saying the same thing and often maybe not as well as you've already <laughs> said it so um there will be that speciality of our sure. own and we'll carry on creating that content but i think we'll use a lot of your content moving forward just to pick up on on that learning pathway externally martin to to our partners let's say our supply chain downstream it's daunting, right? You've got yeah. the, the big customers who have um, head of sustainability and a team around them are yeah. probably picking this up. But as a SME or a smaller business, the, the sustainability is potentially risk, is mm -hmm. potentially uncertainty for them. It's, it's a lot more work. And so by using the vehicle of the school, mm -hmm. you're able to educate and assist with these smaller yeah. companies as well as the bigger companies in this common language. Again, it's around that collaboration piece. So, yeah, very much so. yeah, watch this space, guys, for, for our partners listening um, as to how Mitsubishi Electric are going to utilize the learning pathways for the school to assist with you and your journey. Holly, just before I bring you back into the conversation, because today is more about you than us, I just want to. Um, touch on Martin are sustainability champions within Mitsubishi mm. Electric and I think it's, it's, it's really key that within a big organization we're able to drive this practice not only from head of sustainability like yourself or or myself in sustainability and construction but it's genuine across the whole business what are we doing and how are we using the school to, to drive that yeah thanks um, yeah you're right so we've, we've, we've done as I think I've already mentioned we've done some of our own training uh, we see the way forward very much as being uh, using third party training of which the school's content probably will be front and centre with that because as I say it's, it's really good and you know when, we, when we've done, done that training um, in house you get uh, I'm sure people listening will have a similar experience if they've done it as well you get those that sort of make themselves known, which is actually, that was really good, or what about this, or in my area, that, and mm -hmm. they've sort of self-selected themselves as being this sort of champion role, which we were looking to mm -hmm. understand how we could deploy. Because um, we're getting on for a thousand employees just in the UK alone, so those, um, colleagues are the ones who know their area best they know their job best they know their interactions with their other colleagues with their customers best you know just the, it, all the way down to the the minute points about well this bit of what that i got one recently this bit of recycling mm -hmm. service doesn't work for us here in this office because mm -hmm. and we haven't realized that so you know those of sort of engaged colleagues have made themselves known, and um, that's you know uh, absolutely fantastic for me because I can jump on that and go well, great. 
you've uh, volunteered yourself as being a champion and no one said no yet, luckily. (laughs) That's good. Martin, I think it's interesting that you're saying that people are coming forward to be champions Mm -hmm. and I think that is really important and that's, you know, we've got that broad range of engagement um, across the organisations. We don't want it to just be the people here, the sustainability managers. It needs to be the people working in all areas and engaging in all those different areas of sustainability that we've mentioned. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, people who are working in the infrastructure, in the facilities management of keeping your organisation running, down to the HR teams, the L&D teams. Everybody needs to be working on this. It's a kind of a collective goal. So, yeah, really great that you're using those champions and that's what we need across the sector, across all businesses. No, well, thank you. Yeah, uh, as I said, we're we're, we're just one company in this and... uh, it, you know, it's back to that core um, ethos of the of the school as well about this collaboration and bringing that uh, bringing that together. And uh, yeah, um, your content moving forward for us will certainly be central to that. Thanks, Martin. Collaboration, um, Holly. So we we're lucky enough to have you as our point of contact for for the school from almost like an account management perspective. But I also work with you closely on a couple of the collaboration groups. Um, retrofit being one of them, construction. Give our listeners a flavour of the other groups that are involved and, and what the collaboration groups are and what they look to achieve and who's on them and the good work that you're doing within that space. So we have um, collaboration groups on different areas. So we have the ones that focus on the core markets of the school being construction, homes, infrastructure and facilities management. And then we go down into kind of almost the categories of spend, the kind of different topics within those. So we have uh, groups on procurement, on modern slavery and people, um, on, for example, digital waste and resource efficiency. We talked about retrofit, and that's where I lead. It's our newest group to the it school. It is our newest group. And it's the newest group, and it's kind of it's growing, and there's so much exciting stuff going to come out of that. So that's almost kind of like a special area of interest, retrofit, yep. whereas we look at some of the others that are around procurement, digital, etc., waste as those kind of categories of spend. Mm -hmm. And then we have groups on well-being, looking at internal and um, all those things. We have a group on fur, and that is our one closed group. It's such an important key area of the school that we take applications into that group, and that's where people of extreme, you know, senior levels that apply to have a space on that group. All the other groups, so the 17 in total, they're um, available to partners only, but representatives from partners are allowed to go on those groups and those groups you know, shape the training for them and their supply chains. And just to ask Holly, because some of our listeners may not know, FUR, what does that Sorry, FUR is Fairness, Inclusion and Respect. Okay. So it's, it's very uh, relevant today, uh, the, the, the creation of the retrofit group. It's a good example of, of the school listening to the needs of the built environment and creating change and standards to, to I guess, commercialise the opportunity around retrofit. Um, we know that 80% of the buildings that exist today are going to exist when we hit our target of 2050. And so the school is driving um, a standard, let's say, almost like a playbook as to how we can best utilise and, and, and drive the right sort of change within the retrofit space. And I'm really lucky to be one of the partners that sit within this uh, retrofit group. Holly, as you lead on this, give us a, give us a flavour of what we're currently working on, um, some of the points that have come up for discussion, and what the future looks like for retrofit. What the future looks like for retrofit? That's a massive <laughs> question, Dan. <laughs> um, yeah, so as you say, you know, the 80% like yeah. stat, that's everywhere at the moment. And I think 
there's another kind of little quote someone said to me about retrofit that this is the biggest challenge in construction in right rebuilding and retrofitting our buildings since post-World War II. Mm-hmm. The amount of change that's going to happen have to happen and the scale of that. So there is a lot of conversation around it. Um, and I think it's there's a lot of conversation in kind of the public eye around how that looks in domestic mm-hmm. settings. Everybody's getting more and more concerned around energy efficiency, mm-hmm. how we're going to keep our homes warm and the kind of social and well-being impacts of that as well as cost. But I think what's really interesting is the also impact that's going to have in retrofit and commercial settings that is Mm -hmm. huge we know we're sat in a london office right now Mm -hmm. and i think you can just look across all the offices that surround us how many of them do you think have an epcb um probably i don't know none of them i don't Mm -hmm. know very few and they all need an epcb by 2030 yeah so look at the scale of opportunity you talked about the commercialization i think it is it is such an area of expansion Mm -hmm the opportunities that are out there but also kind of it's exciting and also it's a bit oh my god because who is going to do it all do we have the skills to do it not only those Mm -hmm. people that are joining industry the people that will be moving out of other sectors into it and also the people that are within industry right now Mm -hmm. our partners our members the organizations that are represented do they know what is coming and do they know how to do it to a good standard and that's why Mm-hmm. We need to join together on something like the retrofit group. Mm-hmm. We need to come together and say, what do we need to know? Mm-hmm. And I think, Dan, as you say, you've been involved in this. One of our projects at present, as the newest group, mm-hmm. is we are sitting down and we are mapping that out. Yeah. What do we need to know? Um, we're creating almost an assessment of knowledge. If I need to know about retrofit, what does that mean? Yeah. And yeah. we've started looking, and I know, Dan, you worked on, me on this what does it mean on the why are we doing retrofit all those can I reasons for the climate and decarbonization uh-huh. as well as well-being and costs if mm-hmm. I need to work in retrofit what do I need to know yeah and that spans from all areas from the why are we retrofitting mm-hmm. you know we talked about the social aspect the cost implications and obviously to decarbonize the built environment all the way through to what does good retrofit actually look like yeah. Yeah. what do you have to deal with in retrofit in terms mm-hmm. of people tenants and all that engagement what funding's out there what are the standards out yeah. there and, and for me it's great yeah. learning as well Holly you know from, from my perspective I look at this through a manufacturer's lens and I sit in this steering group uh, with about 30 other professionals all from different aspects of the built environment so I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it through the lens of a consultant practice through a main contractor and, and for me it helps build the picture um, and it helps my understanding of what then needs to happen uh, across the industry and, and it's, it's good market intelligence for us as a manufacturer you know what, where do we need to go what's the shape of our product portfolio for the future in order to meet all these demands of, of the retrofit environment yeah the retrofit is a really exciting space and I'm really really glad to be part of that group so thanks for having us and, and as part of our partnership with the school we sit on now six other um, steering groups or collaboration groups from from FM Martin, you've just recently signed up to the Climate Action Group. Yeah. Um, what what is it you know from your perspective? Why do you see the need for you to sit within that group, and, and yeah. what are you hoping to get out of that? Well, I mean, if there's ever a, a an area that requires collaboration, you know, then you know, climate action, you know, as as simple as a title as that, with a huge amount of complexity that sits <laughs> behind a very uh, seemingly, like as I say, simple statement. So, um, 
you know, hopefully uh, we have got something to contribute in that, as I say, very much from our own perspective with the products and solutions and where we are in the supply chain. But um, it's as much a learning curve for us in, as much as we can hopefully educate some others as well on, on our own uh, offer, uh, on our own offer. I think it's really interesting, Martin, that you said kind of go into those groups with, and, and, and Dan, when mm. you talk about bringing your perspective, but learning from the perspectives of others Absolutely. and having that kind of opportunity to discuss yeah. it. But I think it's also going back to that point, I think I made right at the beginning and I said, like, we don't want to be talking shops. So mm. it's kind of that all that thought and intelligence and insight comes together mm-hmm. and creates something. Yeah. So, you know back to the retrofit group me and Dan and those other professionals are looking at what do you need to know well that will be created into an assessment that goes onto our learning platform that anybody across the built environment sector can assess themselves as an individual or a business and then based on the answers to their assessment they'll get a learning plan that helps them upskill in the areas they didn't know mm-hmm. and, I, and you can use that as well to understand where the gaps in knowledge are in your own supply chain. So yeah. You can understand the gaps in knowledge for yourself and have learning yeah. plans created to help you. But you'll also be able to benchmark yourself against yeah. industry. We, all, we already have assessments live in all those different areas that we discussed. For example, you could go on right now mm-hmm. and assess yourselves um, in your kind of um, individual knowledge around digital within construction. You'd be able to see where do the other manufacturers where are they at? What's their scoring? What do I compare? And where what I don't know will send you off to a learning that will help mm. you know it. And the retrofit group will create that assessment and it will be an assessment. It's not decided by me mm-hmm. leading that or our consultants. It's decided by the partners that sit around. Guys, thanks so much for today's conversation. Holly, it's been great having you down here. And I say down here as you've travelled far and wide. Um, from up north north. to come to sunny London Um, unfortunately it is actually snowing today even though it is beginning of March read into that what you will Um, and for those listening thank you very much for listening to this episode and I I would steer you towards the supply chain sustainability school as a learning resource Um, collaborate with them partner with everybody else in the industry and this is a great vehicle to do so so watch this space Sign up to our sustainability and construction newsletter on LinkedIn if you haven't done so already. Subscribe to the podcast, comment, share, like, do all those good things. It really does help bring in amazing guests like Holly today. Um, thank you very much for listening. I've been Dan Smith, Martin Fahey. Thanks very much. Holly, thank thanks you. again. Cheers, thanks guys. Thanks so much.